Welcome investors to the Absolute Return Podcast, your source for stock market analysis, global macro musings, and hedge fund investment strategies. Your hosts, Julian Klamotko and Michael Kesslering, aim to bring you the knowledge and analysis you need to become a more intelligent and wealthier investor. This episode is brought to you by Accelerate Financial Technologies. Accelerate, because performance matters. Find out more at accelerateshares.com. Welcome, folks, to the Absolute Return Podcast. I'm your host, Julian Klamachko. I'm joined by my co-host, Mike Kesslering. And on today's show, we welcome special guests, Eve co-CEOs, Jerry DeMuro and Andre Stein. Eve is a recent corporate carve-out from Brazilian multinational aerospace manufacturer, Embraer, and a leader in the development of next-generation urban air mobility. On the show, Jerry and Andre discuss... Flying Cars, Eve's next-generation urban air mobility solutions, the corporate carve-out and going public transaction, how Eve differs from competitors in the EV tool space, the potential $760 billion market opportunity that they are pursuing, and more. So with no further ado, here's our podcast with Eve co-CEOs Jerry DeMuro and Andre Stein. A point of disclosure, the Accelerate Arbitrage Fund ETF does hold shares and warrants of Xanite Acquisition Corp, who is merging with EVE in the going public transaction. Welcome, Jerry and Andre of EVE, the co-CEOs. Welcome to the show today. How are you guys doing? Great, and really a pleasure to be here. Thanks for the invitation again. Yeah, awesome to have you on. I'm interested in getting into the details regarding Eve's next generation urban air mobility solutions known as eVTOL vehicles. Uh, super cool. I wish I was riding in one right now. I have yet to try one, but to start, can you tell us about eVTOL, how it works, and why consumers should love it? And when we're talking about urban air mobility, it's really a new frontier for aviation. So it's a whole new ecosystem. And we need to create the solutions that will fuel the needs of this ecosystem. Starting to your point with the vehicle, an eVTOL, it's electrical vertical takeoff and land vehicle that leverages a lot of the innovations in the world and a lot of the innovations in mobility like electrification to create a new type of vehicle. And we're gonna talk a bit more about our eVTOL and why it's different and why it's special. But what I can say about it is that leverage all the know-how that Embraer has accumulated in the last half century, where it has been developing, certifying, and keep aircraft flying. Just in the last 25 years, Embraer has developed over 30 different aircraft models, and that's a record in the industry. So you are getting that understanding to create a solution that's bespoke and optimized for urban air mobility. But not only the vehicle needs to be developed, we need to develop the solutions, the service and support solutions that go along. We need to keep this aircraft flying and having a really reliable solution. So we need to think about how the maintenance is going to be. We need to think about how the pilot training is going to be. And we need to develop a portfolio of different services. Not only, and that's where one of the opportunities uh, is, not only for the for the operators of our own vehicle, but for the whole ecosystem. Operators of other vehicles uh, from the other parts of the ecosystem, the third ports, and creating this portfolio of service allow us to really uh, access a constant stream of revenue in the future. 
I think it's I, the only way to really do it in an agnostic way. Sorry. Yeah, I, I, yeah I think it'll help our uh, listeners because you, you speak of Embraer, and we didn't touch on the fact that Eve went through Embraer's accelerator program, basically was formed within a much larger entity with decades and decades of experience. So if you could give us a, a bit of the backstory on how Eve came from idea to now a major player in the EV tall space, that will really help frame the discussion. Well, Julian, you're talking to the right individual because Stein, is, as we refer to him, uh, has been there since the inception at Embraer X and, and incubated that. And then uh, maybe we can return to, to this whole ecosystem uh, point that, that Stein was trying to make because that entire ecosystem needs to exist for the market to be viable, not just any particular provider of eVTOLs. But Stein, why don't you talk about just how the uh, concept came about and how it's been incubated over the last four to five years? Sure. And the two things are very interlinked because we have been incubating these different projects inside Embraer, as you said, and more than that, inside Embraer X. Embraer X is Embraer Market Accelerator that was created to access potential exponential growth. The X of Embraer X stands for exponential, and that's exactly the case of the urban air mobility market, the way you see it. We are talking about three quarters of a trillion dollar market in the next 20 years. So that was a unique opportunity. And we needed different tools to accelerate we need to really bring the best of both worlds, the best and the know-how that existed inside Embraer to address a massive market, leveraging new tools coming from the Silicon Valley approach, doing minimum viable products, proof of concepts, and mature that program all the way to the point where we believe it was right to become a separate organization, separate company. And we are incubating both the vehicle development the service and support set of solutions, and even uh, a solution for urban air traffic management, which is another key aspect of the ecosystem. You can imagine hundreds of eVTOLs flying over one given city. We need to assure that they're flying in a very safe way, very scalable way, very efficient way. To do that, we are leveraging the know-how, again, that exists inside the company. Embraer has, within its organization, the capacity to provide air traffic management solutions. It does that for the whole of the Brazilian airspace and export that solutions to other countries like India, other countries in Latin America. One of the few companies in the world that has that technology. And we are leveraging that know-how to create a bespoke solution that we are sure that we will be able to scale that market. And in, as I said, in a very safe and efficient way. And you can even think in new ways to interact with the operators. We don't intend to be the operator ourselves. That would mean creating the single largest airline in the world, but we can change the way we do business with the operators. We can be partners. We can share the risk, we can share the revenue and grow together on that front. So just to, to finalize, we've been incubating that since 2017 inside Embraer X and uh, October 2020, we decided that the projects were mature enough to to spin off from the main company and uh, to get all the projects that were related to banana mobility within one single organization, and that was key. And now, a word from our sponsor, Accelerate, one of Canada's most innovative and fastest-growing alternative investment solution providers with a suite of institutional-caliber alternative ETFs 
for investors seeking diversification and long-term performance. The Accelerate Arbitrage Fund, symbol ARB on the TSX, is the world's first SPAC-focused ETF with a diversified portfolio of SPAC and merger arbitrage opportunities in an easy-to-use, low-cost ETF. The Accelerate Arbitrage Fund ETF trades under the symbol ARB on the Toronto Stock Exchange. Find out more at accelerateshares.com. And really, as you think about um, the current transaction that we're contemplating, which is the merger with Zenite Acquisition Corporation, uh, it really is a natural follow-on. As it uh, turns out, I I happen to be a member of the Zanite board when we were looking at next generation uh, aviation issues. If you look at the board, it's made up of a number of individuals who spent a lot of time in aerospace and defense uh, and aviation. And uh, we were looking for something in the next generation, particularly electrification. And a number of members of our board had had a long-term relationship with Embraer, so of course, as we went around and did about 20-plus management meetings, I think it was, Stein, uh, we really looked at the EVE offering as the most likely to succeed for, for a couple of reasons. One, as you might expect from a company with Embraer's heritage, uh, it, it starts with a great aircraft design, really optimized for a mission, which we can talk a little bit later about, really optimized for the true urban air mobility mission. It was also uh, optimized to be the lowest cost of total ownership and operating cost, the maintenance costs that go into what eventually translates to the cost per seat mile, right? Everything translates to what are you going to charge that passenger? So it started with a great vehicle. That vehicle also is a the lifting cruise is very simple design, which um, it, it doesn't have some of the moving parts or the complexities of flight control laws that say a tilt rotor does. As we looked at other options, we thought this was the simplest aircraft and the clearest path, not only to type certification, but to actual entry into production, entry into service and producing revenue. So, uh, you know, Stein mentioned the element of our business model, which is really not trying to be vertically integrated and be producer of the vehicle, the operator of you know the service, the face to the customer, building out our own vertiports. We're doing it with a, a partnership model, bringing partners that operate regional uh, airlines. They operate rotary craft. They are ride share operators. We are even bringing lessors onto our team so that, as you know, about 40% of the aircraft out there are actually leased. So for our operators that want to be asset light, we're bringing a partner-by-partner, city-by-city model that's going to allow us to scale with a very capital-efficient model and also bringing the core competencies, a very diverse set of competencies to bear so that we can bring service successfully uh, in, into these markets. So it, it was a capital-efficient model. And most of all, you're not trying to compete with your customer, the people you're, you're trying to sell aircraft to. So that was important. Thirdly, it is this backing of Embraer uh, that is now codified in contracts, 15-year master service agreements, where we have priority access to engineering and technical talent, uh, the other back office support structure, uh, and priority access to those resources by contract. And we're getting them at cost. These are some of the most accomplished aeronautical engineers in the world. 
We also get access to all the infrastructure that you need, the simulators, the tool sets that engineering uses, the infrastructure for uh, flight test uh, campaigns. We get that for free. As Stein mentioned, it's one thing to produce an aircraft and sell it, but in order for an operation to be successful, you got to sustain it globally. We also have access to Embraer's existing global support network, 80 locations around the world that we can leverage. So a, a significant advantage as well with that kind of backing from Embraer. And lastly, I mentioned certification. You know, this is going to be a global uh, market. Uh, we often sometimes get North American centric, but there are other locations, these mega uh, urban centers, where it may actually, uh, EBTALs and urban air mobility may take off more quickly, no pun intended. So Embraer has that global reach, and they are already experienced. Uh, Stein mentioned uh, working with, I think, over the last 25 years, 30 different aircraft certified on a global basis, triple certification. We're going to be working with ANAC, the Brazilian Certification Authority, and, and pretty much uh, they've actually – Two weeks ago or a week ago, Stein, they accepted our application for certification, and they have a bilateral agreement with FAA. We're already discussing it. So while others, many others, will be bringing multiple aircraft designs to FAA for certification, we'll have priority with ANAC and a bilateral agreement with FAA. So there are a lot of discriminators that we have in the market, but it became the right time. Uh, it was the right uh, partner for Xanite. And I think the right partner for Embraer that was going to help further accelerate the development of this by bringing fresh capital, breaking it out so you get the best of both worlds, the Embraer support and the agility of a technology uh, disruptor. So you mentioned the merger and going public transaction with Xanite acquisition, which I'm going to get into. But prior to getting into that, I did want to just further look at these eVTOL vehicles and to the layman, they're basically like human-sized drones, if you imagine the Jetsons, so super futuristic, basically electric-powered helicopters that can transport us through the air. So with that being said, there are some unique aspects with respect to EVE's eVTOL vehicles, as far as I understand. The lift and cruise design of the vehicles are pretty unique. Can you describe exactly how they work? Jerry, you want to? Sure. So... And I mentioned that, uh, well, Stein did, that this project has been incubated for about four years, and, and they looked at a variety of different designs. And you see that evidence today. Not terribly different than in the early days of automotive technology, right? A lot of alternative approaches. We have on one side, if you think of a spectrum, we have on one side lifting crews, which has its advantages, uh, and some may say, you know, some disadvantages. Uh, then you have the, the tilt rotor. You have uh, Lilium, which is really a, a, a different beast altogether. And, and all the way over on the other side, you have you know, these um, various rotors, yeah. multiple rotors. And so when you look at them very uh, briefly, lift and cruise, we think, is optimized for the true urban air mobility mission. So what does that mean? Up to 60 miles with the initial instantiation, of course, as energy density increases in batteries, we can get further range and, and, uh, and, and speed. But it brings tremendous advantages uh, in efficiency because of the wing and the pushers in the back in the cruise mode. And it operates very quietly there. Uh, something like the tilt rotor, 
may be a little bit more efficient and faster in the cruise motor, but it comes with greater complexity, both in terms of the build and acquisition cost and certainly maintenance. And also tilt rotors are more complex in terms of flight control laws. So its path to certification may be a little bit more complicated. It, it also is going to be have more parts require more uh, battery power. So it's going to be heavier. So there's no free lunch there. There's a trade-off. Uh, I would note that I don't think there's been a tilt rotor yet certified for civilian application. And not that it won't, but you know there are other complications. And you go all the way over to the multi-rotor, more efficient in you know the vertical axis, but much less efficient in the horizontal and the cruise mode, right? So you see them with very low passenger capacity, shorter range, uh, different speeds. So you know there are positives, trade-offs, and, and negatives in, in each version. And that's why we say we've optimized for total cost of ownership, efficiency, and that true urban uh, mission. Did I, I miss anything? No, no, I think that's it. Uh, there is no free lunch, right? You want to go further and faster, for example, we pay the price, particularly when it comes to the seat mile costs that Jerry referred to. And we are back to the early days of uh, aviation on that. You have so much more freedom of design choices with electrification. You mentioned about helicopters. This is not a helicopter by any means, right? It flies using wings like an airplane. So that is something that electrification allows you distributed propulsion, something that would not be possible with a turbine. You could not have eight different turbines that would be too complex, too heavy. With electrification, you can do that. And that's really that really allows us to find these sweet spots between really embracing complexity and adding costs, adding uh, maintenance issues, even the, the certification process, or to the other extreme, being too simple but not leverage on fixed wings to fly forward. That's much more efficient way to do so. It's up to six, seven times more efficient than if you are hovering like a helicopter or a multicopter without the wings. And now a word from our sponsor, Accelerate, one of Canada's most innovative and fastest growing alternative investment solution providers with a suite of institutional caliber alternative ETFs for investors seeking diversification and long-term performance. The Accelerate One Choice Alternative Portfolio ETF, symbol 1C, ONEC on the TSX is Canada's first alternatives portfolio solution, providing exposure to six alternative asset classes, 10 alternative strategies in one easy to use, one choice ETF that charges a management fee of just 0.2%. The Accelerate One Choice Alternative Portfolio ETF trades under the symbol 1C ONEC on the Toronto Stock Exchange. Find out more at accelerateshares.com. And I apologize if I, I missed this when in your discussion, but what can you can you go over a little bit more in depth on what the relative costs are with your solution versus some of the other transportation solutions such as helicopter, ground ground transportation, things of that nature, and just where it stacks up on on that range. So when you're talking about disruptive innovation, it is about disrupting mainly the cost model, right? And what, what that means, comparing with a helicopter, with a comparable helicopter that would be, uh, that would have similar levels of safety, for example, you are talking about reducing the, the costs per passenger in up to six times on the long term. Why? Because you are addressing the single largest cost of aviation, that's fuel, straight away. 
electrification is a better, more affordable way to store energy and uh, to, to buy energy, basically. Maintenance, helicopters are well known for have, having very high maintenance costs. And in the long term, we can even talk about autonomy as a way to increase the capacity of the vehicle in terms of seats, which also reduce costs per seat, and also reducing the overall costs. So, and it becomes a bit of catch-22 because with that, you can add scale, and scale by itself help us to reduce the operational costs. As you fly more, you can reduce the, the cost of ownership per flight, just to give an example. So it becomes a bit of a catch-22. With that, we can achieve similar costs to what you see on the ground today. The idea here is not to replace the ground transportation, but really to provide another choice. And if you're getting a, a cab from, uh, say, uh, JFK in New York to Manhattan, that's going to cost you about $100. And that's the pricing point you believe you can have in the beginning of the operation, even with, uh, with a pilot on board. And on the long term, we can have uh, as much as half of that on a, when starting a seeing benefits in reducing battery costs, for example, which, we, which one of the, the costs we're talking about here, and with the, the autonomous bike. So it, it is really something disruptive and can create scale. Why urban air mobility is not a big rally today with helicopters? The costs and the noise, which is another thing that we address with this type of configuration. We fly over the city. Not only it's electrical aircraft, so no turbine noise or anything like that, but also it flies like an airplane. So it's really quiet when it's flying over the city. That's another uh, roadblock for helicopters to really grow in scale over different cities around the world. It's a good point you made with respect to the noise level of EV toll versus helicopters. Certainly that is a major consideration when you are in an urban environment. Now, Transitioning to the recently announced going public transaction, merging with SPAC, Xanite acquisition. I find this deal really interesting because it's one of the first corporate carve-out SPAC business combinations. That being said, uh, I was wondering, like the way that I view it is Eve is basically moving out of its parents' basement, going on and having its own life as a new corporate carve-out. How is this going to change Eve's strategy, if at all. Jerry, well, yeah, you know, it, it really, uh, since its inception, the strategy has been eventually Eve will operate on its own. This is uh, an optimum time. Obviously, there's some market dynamics uh, that made it so the, the technology enablers that Stein has talked about, the maturation of that. But the idea was that, that Eve would be an independent entity likely on its own at, at some point in time. Uh, this accelerates the process, brings fresh capital and enabling us uh, to get to market uh, a, a little bit more quickly. And I mentioned that uh, Embraer and a number of the Zanite sponsors had a long-term relationship dating back a oh, decade and a half uh, working together in aviation. So it was a good partnership. Uh, the market timing was deemed uh, appropriate. And at some point, Eve was going to stand in the zone as, as a public entity. So here we are, uh, roughly 60 days away from what uh, what we're planning is, uh, hopefully, the day that we, uh, we go public. And going through the investor presentation, obviously, the urban air mobility solution space, still very early stage. You guys have certainly come a long way, but 
You still don't expect to be generating material revenue until 2026. In the meantime, how do you get investors to be committed to this long-term play where you see this massive $760 billion market, but it'll take a few years of few more years of de- development to get there? Yeah, so it, we are a pre-revenue company, uh, not unusual for uh, market disruptors. And we find that the investor base that we've attracted is specifically looking at the downstream opportunity. And this is an early entry point and a very attractive valuation to get into the market to do something disruptive. And there, there is a, an entire class of investors that are looking to be long-term holders And that's really what we're focused on. This isn't about the retail investment community. Uh, It's someone that's looking at emerging markets and uh, investing early as those markets develop and and waiting for them to mature, both at the SPAC level uh, and the investors that we've talked to. uh, We have uh, something like, geez, about a dozen other investors now uh, in our pipe or that we're talking to. private investors in the public enterprise. That's what PIPE stands for. So all looking at it from a long-term horizon. Uh, if you're someone who wants to be a retail investor and a, a day trader, we're not the, the entity for you. And speaking about long-term investors, there have been other urban air mobility solution providers that have recently gone public. You did mention a, a handful of your competitors. Why should not only investors, but also customers pick EVE over your competitors? What about your story, the EVE story really stands out? Brian, you want to take that? Yeah, there, there, there are a few points here. One, it is out of this different, uh, different environment and different competitors, we do have the backing of a big aerospace company. Certifying an aircraft is not an easy task. A lot of well-known companies try in existing markets and fail. So having that leverage, it's a big differentiator in our story. And that helps even with the product. And we're talking about why our product's different, why we expect really to, to hit the sweet spot of women and mobility, having the most efficient project uh, out there in terms of vehicle, that's another differential. So we have the, what we believe it's the best solution in terms of vehicle, in terms of EV tow. And we have a full-spec solution. When, why I say that? Because we are addressing different parts of the ecosystem in a very agnostic way. And with that, we were able to create a clear path towards revenue with the orders we've accumulated so far. So we have the largest backlog. We have today 1,785 orders in different parts of the globe, in different parts of the ecosystem as well. So we have orders with airlines, with helicopter operators, with leasing companies, with ride-sharing platforms, and in all continents other than Antarctica. So we, as we are uh, having this partnership and that this, this level of partnership spread throughout the ecosystem, that also creates a differentiation in our story. Minimize risk, so it's not one massive single partner, but really uh, partners engaging in different parts of the ecosystem and in different parts of the globe. Anything that I missed, Jerry? Yeah, you know, I think you hit uh, most of the strategic points, the Embraer backing, you know, the partnership model. Um, but from an economic point of view, that partnership model allows us to be extremely capital efficient. 
through the pipe in the SPAC, we will have about a half a billion, a little over a half a billion after the transaction in capital on the balance sheet, which will be sufficient to take us through the R&D phase and, and certification. Uh, also with the Embraer backing, remember, we have a tremendous operating expense that this labor pool will be available to us and we're using it already. That labor pool comes over to us at cost. And remember, an engineer in Brazil today costs about a third, sometimes even less, than what it costs in North America or, or Europe. So that half a billion dollars is going to go a long, long way, not only just on, on the labor side, but also all that infrastructure, hundreds of millions of dollars of infrastructure for flight tests and certification programs and OPEX for uh, support. We don't have to fund that. Lastly, we have an agreement with uh, Brazilian National Development Bank uh, and, and consortiums of others to do what we've done on other Embraer programs, and that's to fund our CapEx through very, very attractive uh, rates on debt. So as we come into this program, we've, we've roughly got a little over a billion dollars that we have access to, and that billion dollars is going to go a long, long way with the operating uh, advantage we have. So we have that strong backlog, very diverse customer set. We think the most experienced team, uh, both from a business point of view, global scaling and aviation. We have a great design and we have all these other advantages of, of the Embraer backing. And I think it's those five or six things that really distinguish us from, from any other company out there. Yeah, a couple of things really stand out about the Eve story. Number one, you mentioned that backlog, the 1,785 orders that would really give investors the confidence to have that long-term outlook to, you know, give it a number of years until you start generating material revenue. And then, you know, the strong balance sheet and the partner, and that's really what it takes to be long-term successful in a highly innovative space. Now, thinking about the future of urban air mobility. I was wondering, what's your vision of this future? Will we all be using eVTOL vehicles? And, and how is the urban air mobility market going to play out? You mentioned it's three quarters of a trillion dollars. Can you describe uh, how we can think about that? So when you look at what aviation has done for transportation in general, right? The fact that today you can cross a whole ocean, a whole continent in just a few hours at a very affordable price point, what you want is to bring that in a very literal way closer to people. We can provide that same type of benefit within a urban environment or any other type of shorter type of range mission and give people back their time. So it's not a question of replacing the, the cars, all the cars or all the ground transportation, different solutions for different applications. What you can do, it's really provide another choice to urban mobility. Add, in a very literal sense, another dimension to urban air mobility. So when you need it, it's there. And you're looking at doing that in a very affordable and accessible way. And that address that point of capturing, and it's just a teeny fraction of the ground transportation. You don't need to really uh, rethink all the, the ground transportation, but just capture a teeny fraction. The day that you need to catch a flight and you need to be there on time, that you want to go back home earlier because your kid's birthday. And particularly after uh, in this new world, this new normal where we do a lot of what we're doing here with video conference and people working from home often, people are moving away from downtown sometimes to a bigger house 
the outskirts of the city. And not everybody can do that. So the traffic congestion is still going to be there, right? People still need to to uh, to go to the bakery shop and so on. So the traffic is still there. But will people doing that, it makes even more sense to go to the to the house once a week, twice a month, flying from a, a, a more distant part of the town. To put in a in a very uh, interesting way, imagine also what the internet has done to us, right? You see data and content moving from A to B in a very streamlined, in a very integrated, seamless and affordable way. And that did change our lives. Our vision for the future it's nothing short of bringing that to the physical world with people and goods going from A to B in a very affordable, integrated, seamless way. I would just add that the, uh, the factors that are driving this, if you think about urban congestion, I think the, the UN has estimated that 50% of the world's population lives in urban centers. And uh, of the 84 mega cities uh, or urban centers around the world represents about 150 cities and 80% of the GDP, uh, that congestion that exists in those cities uh, or those urban, urban centers is, is only going to get worse over time. And the daunting cost of upgrading ground transportation systems, which by 2040, I think I, I saw an estimate that said to build a mile of a uh, subsurface railway is going to cost a billion dollars. It's going to cost you uh, tens of millions of dollars to build uh, a mile of interstate highway, as we would call it in the United States. So those imperatives are not going away. The social imperative also to green our transportation systems uh, and decarbonize is there. So all of these factors, I think, are going to help accelerate uh, acceptance. It will take some time, as you pointed out, for the market to mature, but those factors are not going away. And and the cost of doing it another way is incredibly daunting. That's quite the incredible vision for the future in which perhaps we're all flying around in eVTOL vehicles. So I'm certainly looking forward to that. For investors interested in looking more into the story, uh, the ticker symbol is Zanite, Z-N-T-E, and then you indicated you expect the merger to close within 60 days. And then yeah. Eve will be up and trading on the market. So I wish you, Jerry and Andre, the best of luck. Thank you so much for coming on the show, sharing the Eve story with us. Really exciting stuff. Julian and Michael, thank you for having us. Thank you. Always a pleasure to talk about Eve and what we're doing. All right, guys. Well, wish you the best of luck and we'll be following it closely. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. Very nice to meet you. You as well. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye-bye. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in to the Absolute Return Podcast. This episode was brought to you by Accelerate Financial Technologies. Accelerate, because performance matters. Find out more at accelerateshares.com. The views expressed in this podcast are the personal views of the participants and do not reflect the views of Accelerate. No aspect of this podcast constitutes investment, legal, or tax advice. Opinions expressed in this podcast should not be viewed as a recommendation or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any securities or investment strategies. The information and opinions in this podcast are based on current market conditions and may fluctuate and change in the future. No representation or warranty, expressed or implied, is made on behalf of Accelerate. As to the accuracy or completeness of the information contained in 
this podcast. Accelerate does not accept any liability for any direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage suffered by any person as a result of relying on all or any part of this podcast, and any liability is expressly disclaimed.